Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to part two of Shirin Degan's Invested Investor podcast. In part one, we found out how she built and sold a RISO. After a short break, Shirin transitioned into angel investing and more recently as a venture capitalist for Frog Capital. Visit our website, investedinvestor.com, to listen to a host of other podcasts and find details of how to buy our first book. So you took a break, did you, or not? I did, yes, after I left. Disappeared for a year or I did, I disappeared for a year. With my husband, we built a house in Oxfordshire from scratch. So that was an interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) experience, managing uh, builders. I'd rather do a startup, actually. <laughs> I've built several houses. That's where I made my money, actually, building houses. So I know exactly what it's like. Not for myself, though. This is no, the no. spectrum of building houses. Sure. So, yeah, so that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. So that took, like, 18 months or so. And then I started sort of getting bored. And uh, Corcom Venture, who, who invested in my company, contacted me early 2016 and said, hey, we've got a company in our portfolio, Open Signal. we think they're promising. You know, they've got themselves to a couple of million, but can't quite break through that. Uh, can you, you know, go and help? So I became executive chair at Open Signal. did that for 12 months, and also brought in a lot of my team from, uh, mm-hmm. from Arisa. So uh, brought in, I think, 10, 12 people from there. And so we, we got the company going from a couple of million and uh, this year they're going to do like break the 10 million barrier. Are you still a chair there? or? Yes, I'm not exec now. So I, I did the exec thing for 12 months and I became a member of Cambridge Angels. Angels, started doing angel investment. And then last year when I stepped back to non-exec, I opened Signal, I was again starting to get bored. I actually was looking at doing my, no, my next startup and <laughs> crazy, I know. And then I, I got contacted by two funds quite separately and then started talking to them. Hadn't considered VC as a, as a mm. path, but uh, actually the more I investigated, the more I liked it. I talked to people. Well, like, Richard had done exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So I was Jonathan Pell, if you yeah, know him as well, etc. Yeah. In Many fact, people. it's his fault because he gave my name to the headhunter that was searching for frogs. So. And they didn't try to get you to DFJ or anything else? No, well, obviously not. It wasn't. It wasn't DFJ. So yeah. it was. It was another fund, and it was uh, Frog. Okay. Um, and I liked Frog because I felt that their investment thesis was a lot, you know, closer to what I want to do. Their sort of company to partner ratio is really good. Mm. Four. Uh, so four companies per partner. To, to per yeah, partner, yeah. and and I think that's excellent because it means that you actually have time to understand the business mm. and add real value rather than turn up to a lot of board meetings. Mm. Which frankly isn't that much fun. I'm on five boards, and that's yeah. just about the limit of what I exactly. got to do. Yeah. So that was quite good, and also they've got um, real passion to actually help the companies, and that's why they're bringing people like me, more with operational background. So we'll talk about Frog a little bit more in a minute. But how much angel investing have you done? So far, four. Okay. Four companies. Um, one of which is, I think, Rovco you've gone into, have you? Yes. Yes, excellent, yes, which I've I just did. gone into as well. Yeah, that's okay, only yes. been, that's not actually in the public domain yet, but it will be by the time yes. this goes out. And what else have you invested in? So I've st- invested in C-Scope. Um, that was a company founded by a couple of guys who worked for me. Actually, and you're so. quite a big investor in that. I, I think you were 30% yes. I noticed. Or yeah. Something. So, so a co-founder a, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then I've got investment into Neurophonics, which is a basically biomedical engineering company, hardware and software. 
and then OpenSignal. Yeah, yeah so, so two of those you're very close to. Yes. So in terms of angel investing, primarily the two, Neurophonics and, and of course, Rovco, which you've only just closed in the last week. That is correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. But of course, now you're concentrating very much more on Frog. So can we just talk very briefly about Frog? Is it public who the LPs are, where the capital's from? Uh, yeah, I think so, reasonably. I mean, basically, it's uh, British Business Bank, it's European Investment Fund, and it's family fund that has been supporting Frog, because it used to be a family fund before, and the same family is supporting it now. A UK uh, family, is that? Uh, no, actually, they live in Liechtenstein, and a number of other family sort of offices that support it. In terms of Frog's focus, they focus on scale-up, so they're not early-stage investors. They, they sort of come in when product market fit has largely been achieved and really the money is for you know, expansion, either geographical or... or so revenues of low millions, I suspect. Yeah, so a few million revenue, and then they want to obviously take it to the next level. And, and this is a, a B round or an A round or an A plus late, or a B Late minus. Series A, yeah. B round, that kind yeah. of... That kind of I, all these letters are morphing into one another, aren't they? they? So have. this is For kind years, of they yeah. have. Um, we get seed rounds of one and a half million now. Well, exactly, and <laughs> and, 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 and the amounts are going up all yeah. the time. So the, the way I think about things is, and I'm, I'm not hung up on you know whether it's B A whatever. I'm focused on have you got product market fit? Can you demonstrate you've sold it to customers? Is the business model scalable? Is your product scalable? If you've sort of got all of those ticks. And you want money to just, you know, basically mm. dominate the market. And have you led any rounds yet for them and gone onto board? No, I've only been with them for two months. Okay. So, yeah, so it's still early days. But I'm looking at a few things. Yes. Including some Cambridge companies. Yes. <laughs> so, Shirin, what have you learned from your investments so far? The way I look at my, my personal investments, and it's the same with Frog, but, but let's, let's focus on the angel side of it. I, I care a lot about the team. Because especially if it's really early stage, frankly, sometimes there isn't really much there that you can base decisions on. So I've got to really believe in the team and I've got to feel like, you know, the chemistry and all that. So team is really critical. I've got to be comfortable with the product, comfortable in the sense that it's not a me too. It has, you know, there is there's know-how there, people, you know, been working on a particular problem or something and they've got a solution some, something that's tangible and, and defendable uh, so i wouldn't invest in apps and stuff like that for example that's easily copied and the third area is market do i believe there is a big market so those are the criteria i look at uh, when i when i make my investments so which ones are successful so i would say neurophonics i'm really happy with those guys they're you know, super motivated entrepreneurs. They're hitting every month and they're still pre-revenue, but they're doing extremely well. And I feel my, my money is in good hands. <laughs> so this is this is kind of, as an angel investor, you have to feel that the entrepreneur is going to look after the, you know, the money that you've just, you know. With, with some help from the investor director, of course. if there is one, of course. Of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been helping Neophonics quite a lot as, yes. as sort of, pseudo chairwoman until they hire their chairperson because I, I don't really understand their particular market so they need to bring someone who does but until that point I've been helping them in fact I'm running a strategy day for them on Saturday things like that mm. Scenescope which is the guys who used to work for me that is not going massively well they, they did really well like they're they're in revenue they're doing like a couple of hundred k but 
the trouble was I, I invested in the guy who came with me to US because mm. he's brilliant. And I invested in my chief architect because I knew technically he was really good, but really the driving force was going to be him. And then I think they just got fed up with each other. Oh, no, right. <laughs> exactly. So what I should have maybe paid more attention was that, is that relationship going to work? In a, Are they still in together? Is that, I mean, they'd work together yes, in, yeah. in my business. And they're still working together in Scenescope, but not well, very well. Well, well, well the, guy, the guy who I personally invested the money in, effectively, has now left and working for Open Signal. So, oh, right. so okay. he told me that he couldn't get on. Yes. With, with the technical guy and just wasn't working. And then at that time, I was in Open Signal. I was looking for head of product. I said, well, okay, we'll come to it. So you poached your own poached CEO. My, <laughs> so I said, okay, if you're, you're not going to make money for me here, at least. Yeah, at least some money somewhere else. Exactly. So that one kind of hasn't gone so well. And it was, you know, it was kind of my mistake because, you know, I, I let my guards down because I knew the team. Mm. And I should have kind of been a bit more careful about are they be able to work together in a different environment. Well, you were family, so. friends and fools, weren't you? And in exactly. that case, friends and maybe a tiny bit of fool, perhaps, <laughs> yes, if exactly. you don't mind me saying. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, yeah. and I think that, and also I felt kind of obliged to help them, help because, them out, yeah. because effectively they had, you know, they had made me successful and mm. it was going to be a bit... Awkward to say. It was a Christmas gift. It was a gift. It was yeah. kind of when they said, "Oh, we want to start our own company." I, I supported them. What tips have you got for entrepreneurs and angels? I would say, as an entrepreneur, you starting out to build your company, focus on solving a big problem. Don't do a me too. Don't go after something that everyone else can copy. So I think that that's quite I think important. The other one is, as founders, decide if you're control-oriented or if you're wealth-oriented and kind of make that decision from, you can't be both. And also as an investor, I always try to test that out because the wealth-oriented founders are the ones that are going to do far, far better than the, the ones who are far more interested in keeping control. So I think that's the other thing that they need to kind of figure out, especially when you're getting a co-founder. Because if one co-founder is wealth-oriented, the other one is controlled, then, then there's going to be problems. But can some 28 or 29-year-old founders work that out? I don't know. Have they enough emotional not. awareness yeah, to do maybe, that? And if they're, if they're mentored into doing that, will they believe that? So Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I don't know. But uh, like, if I look at myself, I was always wealth-orientated. Mm. I just wanted to build the biggest value that I could with the company. Mm. Now, my company wasn't a billion-dollar company, but if it was, I would have gone for that. Mm. But that's just the person I am. So, I, I you know, I, and I don't know it, whether you know that, as you say, when you're, when you're younger. Maybe you don't. Maybe you kind of find out later. But as investors, I think it's really critical for, yes. for us to detect which one we're working with. And the other tip is get yourself a mentor. Really, really important, especially if you're a first-time founder, team up with someone who's done it before and you can learn from. Mm. You know, when I did my startup, I really didn't have anyone that I learned from and I think I paid for it mm. in, the, in the first product. And so I learned the hard way, yeah. but you don't have to. And this project's all about being open and transparent. Yeah. Do you feel that that really worked for you or were there times when that didn't? Being transparent between you and your investors and your board. Yeah. And the other way around, of course. Yeah. I was always open with my board. I think um, the key thing with managing and 
the board is that you have to be honest. You, you know, you can't hide stuff. But at the same time, you can't turn up to board meetings with a laundry list of problems and not have a solution either. Because then, you know, your investors and your board members are going to think, well... They lose faith. <laughs> exactly. You're not in control. Yeah. So be open, but actually figure out how to solve the issues that are coming up in the business and keep the board informed of the most you know, critical risks and problems, obviously. And finally, you know, I would say the biggest thing that worked for me, and, I, and again, I had to learn this the hard way, uh, and I did it for the last five years of running the company, under promise, over deliver. And that keeps everyone happy. Under promise, over deliver. Yes, yes exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's the big takeaway, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Good. And the final question, which you don't know what I'm going to ask, is I'm at least a decade older than you. I know how much older I am because I've seen your birth town company's house. What do you think you're going to be doing when you get into your early 60s? Oh, God. That's an interesting Not question. About, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a self proclaimed workaholic, so I'm definitely not going to retire, that's for sure. Mm. I just have too much fun working with companies and solving problems and that kind of thing. So I think I probably morph into, you know, much more of an active angel investor, I should say, than I am now, and probably develop a kind of a portfolio maybe when I'm, when I'm at that age. And not have, say, the VP role or whatever it is at Frog or VC, you'll be fully portfolio, you think? I think so. I mean, for, for me, the VC thing is for the next 10 years. Mm. And yeah, I'll just be hitting, just coming yes, up don't to need 60. To say. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I'm 48, doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at this as, you know, something that I'm going to do for a period of time. I don't want to do it for forever. But afterwards, I just want to go and, mm. yeah, Good. do my own thing. You've had a great time, haven't you, so far in life, and I'm yeah. sure that'll continue. Yeah. And we've learned a tremendous amount from you, Shirin, so thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to another Invested Investor podcast. You can subscribe to all future podcasts via our website, investedinvestor.com, or via a number of podcast platforms online. Signed pre-orders for our Invested Investor book are now available on our website. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to get the most up-to-date, interesting and insightful content from The Invested Investor. <laughs>